This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू द फोर हंड्रेड एपिसोड ऑफ हफ्ता फोर हंड्रेड हफ्ताज ओल्ड सो कंग्रेचुलेशन टू अस ऑल एंड इन सेलिब्रेशन ऑफ फोर हंड्रेड वी हैव अ फुल हाउस ऑफ द इन हाउस पैनल वी हैव नो आउटसाइड गेस्ट टूडे सो फर्स्ट लेट मी रिड्यूस द पैनल बिफोर वी स्टार्ट ऑन द हफ्ता वी हैव जॉइनिंग अस फ्रॉम द रिस्पेक्टिव सिटीज जयश्री फ्रॉम चेन्नई हाई जयश्री एंड आनंद फ्रॉम पटना Yes. Joining us in the studio is Mehraj. Hello. Manisha. Hello. Raman. Hi. And I'm Abhinandan Sekri. It is 11:10 a.m. on the 30th of September, a Friday, when we are recording this hafta. We usually record on Saturday, uh, on Thursday, but today we delayed it by one day so that we could all be here and record in the studio. Before we get to the headlines, uh. next weekend that means no next to next weekend which is the 14th and 15th which is friday and saturday of october the media rumble is back so we have i think about this time about 60 speakers if i'm not wrong maybe 70 we have a film screening of a film that you will not get to see anywhere in the country uh, we have uh, lots of panels uh, and discussions about media so do come if you're a news journey subscriber you can just give your subscription and you can come in Uh, but do register if you're not a subscriber. We've kept the registration rates very low this time because we've come physical after two years. The last two years, the media rumble was online only. This time, it's hybrid. So because for two years we haven't had an event of this scale, uh, we have kept the registration very low this time. But for newsletter subscribers, like always, it is going to be free. So do come say hi. We will all be there, as will journalists from around the country and indeed some from overseas as well. So see you then. That's my special announcement. Now we can go to the headlines, which I believe Jayashree is giving us. Yeah, here are the headlines for the week. The central government on Wednesday banned the Popular Front of India and its associates for five years under the UAPA over alleged terror activities. Accordingly, the Twitter handle has also been withheld in India. Uh, Rajasthan some... Chief Minister Ashok Gehloth has taken moral responsibility for the political crisis in his state. He said he now won't contest the Congress's presidential polls. So Digvijay Singh and Shashi Tharoor are scheduled to file their nominations today, while the official choice of the Gandhis is Malikarjun Kharge. And why do we know that? Anyway, we'll figure this out when we discuss this in detail. But regarding PFI, you were saying something, Anisha? They have some thirteen hundred criminal cases filed against them across the country in three days. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And hmm. and uh, also, I the did the political arm, though SDPI has not been banned, and they have distanced themselves also from PFI. But because uh, I think what the re- reasoning for that by the authorities is that that is the election commission's call yeah. whether they want to, you know. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yes, no, but that's also because it sets a precedent. You can't just randomly ban, ban SDPI politi- because then you will have to because they have contested elections, right? right. Then you can do that so to any political yeah, party. It's a, right. it's a poison spray. Hmm. But I I did see many uh, uh, journalists, not journalists, the reality show anchors on prime time. Uh, I mean, it's almost as if they've been given a directive that you got to scare everybody that if you even say anything in support of PFI, you'll be arrested. Of course, whenever Arnab is told something, I'm I guess. he takes it to the extreme his panelists who of course he wants a you know he wants a circus so someone has to shout pro pfi someone has to shout so the moment he asks a question but before that guy can even start answering of course they one of those tv mullahs which we've done a article on that you know who they put strategically to shout he just asks before you say anything if you say anything pro pfi you should be arrested i'm just telling you right now <laughs> he said also supporters <laughs> 
and ex supporters should be biometrically tracked ex supporters also pagal ho gaya but uh, but on pfi also this this comes after a really like at least 2 years of sustained campaign anyway in the tv news space to ban them mm. anything inconvenient like shahin bagh was linked to pfi farmers protest also randomly did say some this pfi link so there they have come under in fact, a the, lot of and rss was running this campaign to, to ban, ban PFI. PFI but uh, yeah the headlines Some state governments are also kind of the tickers were saying the hammer finally falls after dithering up yeah. dithering ever but see i don't know enough about pfi to say whether it should or should not be banned whether involved terror but if the allegation is supporting protests i mean either you give the either the anchors and journalists should say this is the allegation of terrorist activities or but in the absence of that you said they supported hijab protests they support So, so providing logistical uh, you know support to a protest if that is grounds for ban shri shri ravi shankar's outfit should be banned because they were providing all the tambus and bambus for our jan lokpal movement because uh, none of us had the budget for tambus and bambus for annas you know entourage that used to come uh, these guys are distributing water uh, ramdev's fellows for all the protests they used to But come the MHA... so so if the, if just providing logistical support to a protest is ground for banning then that's the news anchors the mha has clearly said that there are links to terror organizations including isis and mm. murders of four hindutva activists and some eight murders in tamil nadu and kerala also i've seen and radicalization which is and money laundering uh, no i have seen But some videos is- sorry uh, i've i have seen some videos that are clearly pro isis uh, which so then put that out now don't say just supporting because i'm sure i'm not sure but it is likely that there's enough grounds to ban them but through the media the narrative is that if you protest hmm. be careful you'll be arrested put this out then na don't say protesting is a ground if i if you know if i want to protest for hijab i you may agree or disagree with me but you cannot say if you do that it is grounds for banning or arrest sir you were saying jashree no i was going to say pretty much what you are saying which is that even if you concede that this is what critics would describe as fundamentalist extremist there is no what is the threshold of reasonable proof they're not offering us the evidence we're just debating on the fact that they are supporting x movement they are provided support to a movement and that is not a grounds of an of an arrest so but the main allegation is uh, their uh, tacit uh, support to isis hmm. and money and laundering the, ba- yeah. the bangladesh group what was ah, the name of bangladesh group but Who, nobody uh, has in this country has been banned for money laundering for example ever And uh-huh. how do you? What do you mean? Like you are providing, you are pro ISIS, you are providing support to ISIS. Mm. What's the evidence? I'm sure maybe there are people who have been linked to PFI who went and joined ISI. Maybe, ISIS. but how ISIS? Sorry, ISIS. but how, well, I mean, that also. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you? What, what is the? What is the? It has to be evidence based. So this you know. whole point about protests and this thing, it should be seen in that context. So what this is is basically the criminalization of not just Muslim identity. but muslimness mm. you know you can't pray in public we'll arrest you you can't wear a hijab we have a problem with that you can't have this kind of food this livelihood we have a problem with that and you definitely can't organize politically yeah but that's, that's, a, that's the main no, thing no. yeah See and the... if you do you do it on our terms mm. but because we have the power we decide the terms we can have the B, uh, rss we can have bajrang dal we can have a militia on every corner on every street mm. but that's our prerogative So this is basically that. Slightly, I think it's good to be slightly suspicious only because in India we have a horrible history of detaining people based on literature that is deemed questionable. These are very vague terms also on the grounds of which people are taken in. So 
people have been arrested yeah. for having books like who killed karkare mm. yeah. somebody had a book on in urdu Uh, allegations have been made in general. I mean, there are no specific allegations except for the murders of uh, no. the four Hindu activists. Those were very individual cases. I mean, mm. those murders. I mean, and maybe there is enough grounds. All I'm head. saying is the the media narrative has clearly a different purpose. The purpose of the media narrative has got nothing to do with yeah, law and order. Anyone else wants to add to this before we move on to the rest of the headlines? Just one thing that this. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Anand. The specific. inputs of the security agencies or uh the ministry of home affairs would uh, not be shared for very different regions uh all of it would not be in public domain or shared for media consumption uh but uh, if you go back 20 years back like uh, the discourse uh, that emanated from the ban on simi and if you go to newspaper editorials and comment there the similar uh, lines were taken but uh, the momentum that was gathered then was lot of links of bomb blasts uh, which were uh, attributed to cross border terrorism like uh, there was in bihar north what was uh, north bihar then before the uh, division of the state the madhubani module the darbhanga module and simi connections were established and in 2006 when pi bfi was established there is uh, also this intelligence uh, narrative that uh, it has been generally the rehabilitation of simi a large chunk of it is basically dead and uh, the terror links and uh, the recruitment drive for uh, the terror outfits like al qaeda these are uh, broad accusations but uh, um, also the nature of uh, protests i mean it is one thing to protest but uh, you have to be very tone deaf in the security environment of india to have a pro pakistan slogan in it so uh, where was the pro pakistan all... slogan yes there were accusations no no, no there was this that's the perception being created no and then if there was the, for for example where was the pro pakistan slogan because we've actually done the fact check on that which z and all ran there was no pro pakistan slogan no i am saying there was accusation and in fact uh, no, that's what i'm saying that the accusation is media made what i'm saying okay, is if there's so, an ac- an uh, accusation so, uh, is is not also, g- ground for uh, banning now like for example like uh, there is direct evidence of the rss you know mother book endorsing nazism or hitler now is that ground to ban rss uh, that is not even speculation that's not in misinformation like uh, like why is why is first it. of all there is no evidence of the pakistan pro pakistan slogan it doesn't exist it has been debunked it has actually been debunked in so, pune i guess the, i don't know if i, I think uh, i said that the in the beginning if you listen i said accusations so accusations may not be fact in fact the accusation gathered so much momentum that uh, the rjd spokesperson shivanand tiwari said that uh, even pro pakistan slogan is a form of protest so uh, even the opposition was buying into that in that narrative so he even defended that 
So these all things count. And also uh, the media narrative uh, would be very different from what the specific intelligence outputs are, inputs are, sorry. And uh, uh, part of it would be uh, swayed by the political uh, establishment, the party in power, of course, that, that is a valid point. But uh, to say that everything that is uh, in the accusations is in media domain, I, I, I don't agree with that. No, no. If I am charged uh, with terror, I think I should be told specifically that what acts I did, which caused terror. Okay, so uh, so it's, uh, or if the if the if the police do not tell this, they do not tell this, then they this is an infringement on the on my freedom. Yeah, but so, of so, course that is, and also regarding the semi uh, ban, you know, we can get into the details of when it was banned, how. But Josie Joseph's book, The Silent Coup, uh, he's one of the finest journalists in the country, and if any new security agency has the balls, let them take him to court if they can prove him wrong. He has. Bared, laid bare the facts of the kind of arrests made, the kind of organization that targeted during Simi, which has all come to naught after people spending over a decade in prison, ruining lives. So, like, in, in a country like India, I would definitely err on the side of <clears throat> civil liberties than take the police or security agency's word. I mean, it, there's a context, you know, to everything. So, I, I, like, there is accusation against news laundry uh, for, uh, you know, that we've gone to court on that, that we've done some IT ghapla. So, all of you have been paid by some evaded money. So, I mean, just, just, just <laughs> FYI, that's an accusation. Yeah. Do you want to take it and start refusing salaries? No, this is dirty money. We shall not take it. I think what Ovesi also pointed out was important. Uh, and though he did say that he doesn't support PFI, he's always against the radical approach. The individual acts of crime after the raids have to be, you have to prove that these are backed and facilitated by the organization. By the organization. So the murder cases, the instances like of like joining assassination. No, no, no. For, no, no. for example, uh, what happened in Uttarakhand, this Ankit murder. So the BJP... Uh, I mean, the, the boy had BJP's... I mean, his father was BJP minister. So should we say that the BJP had backed it? No, but it one, was an individual... We'll have to also see what proof they give. Huh. So what has happened has been raids also, and then very uh, quick banning. So you yeah. have to see what see, they tell the, us. The, the CIMI was banned by the NDA government in 2001 under Mr. Vajpayee. And uh, after that, uh, this, just a pointer to the uh, continuity in the security thinking, the internal security thinking. After that, you had 10 years of UPA rule and uh, you could uh, withdraw that then, but uh, it was not because they, the security establishment is entrenched and internal security uh, thinking has a certain degree of continuity to it. And also uh, like uh, the train um, uh, blasts in Mumbai, and various other blasts, the, the terror blasts uh, that uh, happened during those 10-year rules of the UPA. A uh, lot of that had semi-link. Now, uh, if, uh, whether all of it is in public domain, I don't think so, that intelligence agencies, even in, under UPA rules, hear everything. 
right so what but the that's how it had how it works right so if you when semi was banned banned it became this bogeyman so every muslim who was arrested anywhere had semi links. links that yeah. was the next day's headline right. but if you just google semi you will have pages and pages of people who have been acquitted since then they have sent like yeah, you like said 10 Josie's years 12 book, years it's been i mean they picked up anybody matlab simi ke naam pe they picked up like dozens and dozens of people families ko yeah, agar exactly. banda nahi mila uske bhai ko pakad liya wo nahi mila uske behnoi ko pakad liya basically they had to go to a basti and come back with someone so if the guy wasn't there they pick up some relative of his and get and just say semi i mean that word so that became a bogeyman now they can do the so all these people who have been arrested nobody even knows whether they actually were even part of semi yeah, uh, pfi or not but you can say they were part they were of pfi and sure. that's it the fear is yeah. that yeah, yeah, that's the fear basically saying. that's the whole idea so the first you persecute them for 10 years and when you start prosecuting them they come out ha huh, then they come that's what happened <laughs> that's what is happening in fact uh, the high court uh, i saw a very interesting uh, judgment uh, where one guy who was uh, sentenced to death for the rape and murder of a 6 year old girl the i think the supreme court just acquitted him said there's not a shred of evidence and Imagine. had he not appealed he would have been hanged so uh, anyway so yeah the rest of the headlines uh the rest next headline this is good news where the supreme court said on thursday that forceful pregnancy of a mar- married woman can be treated as marital rape for the purpose of abortion it also ruled that women unmarried women who are pregnant from a consensual relationship are allowed to have abortions up to 24 weeks but just i think this clarification was made in one of the news i think in the express that this does not this does not settle the debate on marital rape it is only the context of abortions Yeah, so the court specifically said that um, so marital rape is not recognized as an offense under the penal code. The court said that this is a legal fiction, this exemption, but it also said that the question of whether marital rape should be criminalized will be heard by. Yeah, so I guess there should be a debate on yeah, that. I, no, I think yeah. this can open that kind of, yeah. that possibility, right? But I also thought the Supreme Court said one very interesting thing in its judgment on abortion, where it said that it must be mentioned that when we use the term woman, it includes persons other than cisgender women who may require access to safe medical termination of their pregnancies and this is pretty significant for a supreme court judgment to yeah. expand the definition of women to include all women not just cisgender women hmm. a day after influential aap functionary vijay nair was arrested by the cbi in connection with the delhi liquor policy party chief arvind kejriwal said that nair was just a worker Meanwhile the managing director of a Delhi liquor company Samir Mahendra was also held by the CBI I think they were all named as being part of the scam Yeah there were 13 people have been named in the FIR for the liquor policy manipulation as as they describe it so this Samir Nair headed their Vijay Nair sorry Vijay Nair Vijay. headed their uh, uh, media, media and strategy actually he is credited with the Delhi victory and the Punjab victory the entire media strategy everything was done by him so now with Gujarat around the corner they they this it just come to stand still like grinding halt he must have been pretty central to planning gujarat also yeah, yeah he was central to, to planning gujarat so i mean the, i think accused number 1 is sodia right and he hasn't been arrested he has been arrested uh, also um, amanatullah khan was given bail right mm. on, on after spending i think 14 days in jail mm. Mm. Not just the jail. I mean, if you just see the observations made by the court, mm. they very no specifically said. I mean, what kind of investigation you have done? What properties? Uh, they didn't. The police did not even 
have uh, you know the names of the property they said that he is making some money out of some properties what which property, property they didn't know they also didn't know. in the satyanarayan's case because the previous judge was coming down hard on the ed they asked for a change of judge Huh. So yeah. Hmm. Uh so Anand can maybe tell us a little more about the next headline which is a handful of opposition parties attended a rally in Fatehabad where among discussions it was the strategy to defeat the BJP in 2024 it was organized by the NLD and it was also attended by parties like the JDU the CPIM and RJD. So how significant is this Anand? It is not significant. <laughs> so uh <laughs> and uh, uh i spent 2 3 hours and uh, some thousand words to just say that it is not significant so um, i think uh, what was of, the rally it was they the i mean these of, these parties uh, are coming together to say what like in the uh, general election or are they on the next bihar state election? general election Achha, okay. rally was in haryana sorry rally was in haryana okay and, and it yeah. was and it was only for bihar no no Two no, main no, Bihar leaders were there. So basically, I think uh, I Anand, I let Anand. They are coming together for uh, an imagined third front, which uh, they somehow want to convert into the main front. So the, without Mamta and that Stalin, was, uh, that was some Nitish's phrase. That uh, um, the significance is that uh, Nitish is angling for the Congress to be a part of the front. and uh, and this may have certain misgivings of fut- in future alliance because uh, uh, if you bet uh, very very forcefully for inclusion of congress in a front that means and given uh, uh, congress's uh, dubious uh, history in alliance making is that uh, you, you put yourself in a position where your allies would be suspect of the kind of deal making you have gone into because uh, basically what is the fight the fight is that uh, even congress is now one of the players for the occupancy of the national challenge uh, default uh, Uh, occupant of the national space for, of opposition, like the challenges to the hegemonic rise of BJP. Now, Congress uh, uh, is very is uh, the renewed assertion that we we have to somehow not uh, let that slip, and the regional forces are now seeing themselves as one of the players uh, to occupy that. Say an ascendant, uh, uh, Arvind Kejriwal, or even Mamata Banerjee. don't uh, see themselves far behind the congress challenge so uh, all of them are players and if uh, they give primacy to congress in a um, future alliance that means that their elbow room would be reduced and uh, uh, they want to preempt that space maybe for the long term maybe just to be the uh, the prime challenger now maybe play the longer game of 10 years 15 years now for parties and leaders who are in the last leg of their ambition like mr nitish kumar this is a desperate move of uh, uh, making a deal with the congress taking congress together and get a good bargain for themselves 
so uh, be, because they are at the fag end of their political career uh, i mean so, of course uh, this is this is the their last chance of the prime ministerial mm. ambitions they nursed uh, uh, when they were young uh, but so, also the uh, congress is uh, you know this padyatra they're doing i mean i'm not going to commit whether it will be successful yes, or not yes, still in kerala yeah i know but it, i mean in all fairness after all the fun we made of it it is gathering some momentum uh, it seems from at least people i'm speaking to so but no as it moves up for we don't know which way it's going to go i mean let's let's be clear but i think because the election is so far away so much can change but one thing i'm a little surprised is that all these parties that got together mamta and stalin just by themselves have more seats in the lok sabha than all these guys put together isn't it not yeah so without them what front is even possible i think they invited them though oh but yeah. they couldn't come right I bihar and up they, would be quite more they didn't range. invite congress and but, uh, uh, except that they invited all major regional parties uh hmm right i'm not sure whether they invited jagan's party but rest of the parties were invited hmm right what are the other headlines Right now we move on to some media headlines which is one the Z Media Corporation has moved the Delhi High Court challenging an order that effectively bars it from broadcasting 10 of its channels yeah for free broadcasting them on free to for air for free yeah, yeah free, free to, to air. air so they don't want it free to air so yeah even Z is not liking the policy of the <laughs> INB ministry mm. but no, 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 the, the if you see the real history mm. they were allowed earlier mm. and we did a story way back in 2020 mm. at how the complaints have come in mm. that uh, uh, you know they have been allowed and they are illegally taking it they are basically stealing basically the, the, that uh, band which they uh, it has to they be auctioned stealing. they didn't yes. get it through an auction yes, they were Correct. stealing it and the government he uh, was favoring this fellow at that time he was the mp mm. uh, now he's out of favor now he's out of favor So, so now, a, now, now, for some reasons, he is completely out of favor. Now he's fighting with the government. Shanti. Now they have pulled the plug, literally. They have <laughs> literally pulled the <laughs> plug. Hmm. Next, and if you have missed this news, that means you don't watch prime time. It is the ED has filed its charge sheet in the TRP scam. It's basically given a clean chit to the public, which is the opposite of what the Mumbai police had done. The ED, I think, has also said it will continue investigating India Today, News Nation, and Times Now. They haven't said investigating Times Now. Have they said they will investigate Times Now? It says require. It's vaguely it worded. Vaguely it said, said, it, it said irregularities vis-a-vis Times Now. That's the quote. Will need to be investigated. Oh, they have. Okay. Like it, it wasn't to be investigated. Yeah. But but uh, India Today and News Nation they have categorically said that they will investigate. Pretty much, like as much as you can sparse their language. So now this led to a shitstorm last night, which was very enjoyable. So I watched prime time after a long time with uh you know panelists of Arnab first of all telling him how wonderful he is. That how by the way night before last Arnab also said on this show that what is all this the. movement against corruption was led by me i started it all this india against corruption and arvind kejriwal and all they were just the marketing gimmicks i was the one who started the movement i did it lovely so we have i was like okay then last night uh, you know rahul shiv shankar sat with nikunj garg i think is the guy who covers yeah. ed for them and no, navika no. he's um, the managing editor looking at mirror now and times yeah, but he used to cover ed because uh, he at was saying he's covered ed for a long time and they were talking about how the ed uh, has buried this clean shit that they have also apparently got and rahul waved 
a chit which seemed quite clean <laughs> to underline the fact that they got a clean chit <laughs> and suddenly they were wondering why the ed is being so unfair and mean to them i was wondering why navika is not getting ed's whatsapps to tell everybody but we will we will we will have commentary on this by manisha next nuisance so but if you haven't watched last night's uh, that is thursday nights prime time on times now on republic do watch it it is a I mean, it is Shakespeare couldn't have written better irony. I wonder what regular news consumers, Make when they're this. watching this, they must be like, "What is happening? <laughs> what is this?" Because exactly, you can't understand what the case is. It's just you know one channel throwing barbs. I wonder what like regular people feel about watching this. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like outside of media houses and channels and Arnab and people like us who like watch the media. Does anyone really care about the TRP scam as a viewer? As a viewer thinking like, "Oh my God, I've been scammed. I need to know <laughs> no. what happened." Like. <laughs> ஒன்னாக an attack on all of us <laughs> they are accusing you view that you take bribes that indian viewers take bribes oh the accusation is not on me the accusation is on you that you take bribes no but that wasn't it. the tone that is the tone for usual other days this was like very mild this is this is amazing. So, so, that, so basically the the ed or whoever parambir is accusing the viewer of taking bribes so basically the ed and whoever is coming after the viewer and the people standing between the viewer and the agencies are arnab navika rss uh, that is rahul shiv shankar and the others so but that that's a great way to sell it i mean <laughs> to make people care <laughs> no but then again i think it gets distorted a bit because it's english it's elite media it's social media and all that english news generally has very tiny viewership yeah, yeah. and readership Negligible, in this country it's not even out of the total television watching pie it's not even 1% exactly but because it's in english it's people like who get in these circles it's on twitter all the time people like yeah, yeah. i'm sure rahul shankar thinks he's a man of the people <laughs> guy on the ground and also <laughs> Uh, the next headline um so the constitution bench of the supreme court said on monday it will hear pleas on limits of freedom of speech and expression for politicians yeah you know i have mixed feelings on this what do they even mean like limits i mean for politicians there'll be different limits as a citizen i i can't agree to that i can't how i i don't understand what is the rationale for this plea like politicians should not be allowed to say as much as common citizen there are certain codes like for election commission has mm. codes for when people are campaigning and right. stuff and all that i think that's fair also yeah for, but that's sense. a code of conduct it's yeah, not yeah. a limit of freedom of speech like yeah, it's can't. not it's not described as a freedom of speech you know infringement or anything so i don't understand it's rules of election when yeah, it comes to freedoms you can't have different rules for different people yeah exactly yeah. so i don't understand what exactly anyway maybe once th- this case comes up and some ruling happens we'll know hmm basically uh, so the case uh, is this is the same case so the case stems from a 2016 petition uh, filed by the family members of a woman 
who was raped in Bulandshahar against former UP minister and Samajwadi Party leader Azam Khan. They had objected to him after he had described the rape as a political conspiracy and nothing else. Mm. But that can be covered by libel and yeah, defamation laws. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't Irresponsible statements. Yeah. I mean, you can't stop politicians from making uh, it. I mean, idiocy it's is also... Yeah. For, once I, for once I agreed statement. with Sharmaita who said politicians should be cautious, but you cannot really blanket yeah. ban them from saying things. So, people have a right to be idiotic uh, also. So. And best is for a robust yeah. democracy for people to call them out for the media to yeah. question them. Um, Attorney General K.K. Venugopal's term will end in September 30th. Uh, senior advocate R. Venkatamani has been appointed as the next Attorney General of India. Okay, uh, not much of the headline, but does anyone have any speculation or gossip on why Mukul Rohatki turned it down? He said it was on second thoughts. He said for personally second thoughts, but... Like, first of all, when this offer was made, there is no call made that we're going to make you this offer. Are you going to Normally accept it? Normally, the or? offer is uh, made, I mean, after checking with the person whether he's going yeah, to accept it. Yeah, because this is a bit I mean, awkward. Ah, yeah, he bit... had accepted it initially, so after that, I don't know what happened. Okay. So, we don't have any theories on Mukul this. Rohadki was famously very close to the late Harun Jaitley, right? I have no idea. Everyone was close to the late Arun Jaitley. Mm. Yeah. But he was like Most within the legal community. He was sort of also. his man kind of a person. No, but anybody who was close to uh, Arun Jaitley, Modi never had any problem with yeah, it. Yeah. Because Arun Jaitley yeah. was very close. In fact, speaking <laughs> of everyone's close to Arun Jaitley, <laughs> even last night in the Arnab, when he was talking to Ryan Karanjwala, they were saying that it's been 100 years of Delhi University. So there's a you know book that's come out and everyone's written a page or an essay. The only journalist to be asked to do that is Arnab from Hindu College. And then they both agreed that the most famous and luminous and accomplished person to ever pass out Delhi University was Arun Jaitley. Mm. And do you remember he knew the struggle he went through? So, yeah, everyone from every yeah, lawyer was close to Arun Jaitley. Hmm. No, but um, with respect to why Roti turned it down, The Wire had, a, I think, a speculative story which said that a, I think the law ministry had issued a circular sometime back saying that the powers of the Attorney General would in part be shared with the Solicitor General. So the assumption is that Rohatki did not want to have to defer to Tushar Mehta, and mm. therefore he turned it down. I see. Okay. But it is fully speculative. Mm. So, uh, a division bench of the Calcutta High Court on Wednesday held that Mamtak Banerjee government's doorstep ration delivery scheme is illegal because it violates the National Food Security Act. I think she is now going to approach the Supreme Court. Mm. On Tuesday, this was quite a shocking video. A 19-year-old girl asked an IAS officer at a public event about the possibility of the government providing sanitary napkins to girls. The IAS officer, Harjot Kaur Bhamra, said there's no end to such demands. And she asked, what next? Will you ask for free clothes or contraceptives? Yeah, This was and, uh, in Bihar. And later she denied it. And then when Nitesh Kumar said action will be taken, then she apologized for it. Uh, but yeah, that was a video. But... Regarding the food, doorstep food, um, the central government has extended the by three months the free ration scheme, ration scheme until the Himachal and the Gujarat wow, election. Wow, they'd already extended it from the UP elections. Now they've extended so, more and what? until this election. And um, meanwhile, of course, they had blocked the Delhi also doorstep delivery scheme. But so, no, for whatever reason they have done it, I mean, it's only a good thing. Yeah. Also, actually, in the Santa napkin thing today, my New Indian Express had a front page ad from the Rajasthan government announcing that Rajasthan is distributing free or having free distribution of sanitary napkins throughout the state. So it was a very well-timed government ad. 
Speaking of, um, I don't know whether anyone saw this video. It was tweeted out by an American journalist, uh, and it hasn't been refuted yet. Of this woman army officer in uh, Russia, you know the new conscription, the guys who've been asked to join. Basically, yeah. Russia has run out of troops, and uh, now they have they have that conscription rule. Now that mobilization, yeah, three hundred thousand civilians have been asked to report for the army, and there was a huge traffic jam because everyone is going to Georgia, fleeing. uh because no one wants to serve and you know go so the guys who have reported to the barracks they are being told arrange we'll only give you armor and uniform uh you got to arrange your own rations your own bandages your own medicines really and uh, so one of the guys says that we went and uh, because everyone's out of medicines you know they need those bandages i don't know what they're called for bullet wounds so she says buy tampons you know what tampons mm-hmm. are if there's a bullet wound you put a tampon on it it expands it like and it closes the wound uh by sanitary pads by tampons by and that's you guys got to do it yourself the russian army won't provide it to you that sounds very far fetched though i was yeah. like uh, no, I'll, i'll show you the army, video no? i think no. a us uh, journalist had put that out you you of course you've heard yeah. the, the yeah, new york yeah, times mobilization and all that yeah but this the, thing that the they new don't york have times you you've seen the russian guys that that conversations that have been recorded right yeah, yeah but those are also very selective mm. i mean it's the russia western intelligence leaking all that stuff because but some of the other accurate. stuff if you see like other stuff from the other side yeah it's like selective you pick up like this one thing and like make a whole thing about it, it yeah. in russia fact like now this bandages sounds a bit uh, odd yeah. yeah go ahead the, the russian defense ministry has issued a clarification not about that video but uh, this perception of people uh being asked to enroll for military service it's a, it has emphasized that uh, only people who have received military training and who are considered in russia as military reserves are reservists being asked to be part of that mm. there have been these lots of videos and pictures in the western press of these russians with world war 2 weapons and stuff and all that and it turns out most of them are fake so it's kind of a propaganda are, no, but war this also. one isn't but i mean uh, uh, as far as this perception war is battle is concerned i don't buy the i mean i think it's a very 80s argument that the western media is the nothing stops the russian media if they can spread misinformation in the us election they can spread correct information no but they war. banned all of those russian media is banned in the us in no, europe no, everywhere they banned in the us what i'm saying is all this is on social media right yeah So there are enough social media platforms where Russia, through proxies that they've done in the past, even now, what investigations are leading back to, you know, these server farms in this country? I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, uh, Atlantic had done a story on it. I mean, that mm, in know, East Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the whole I mean, troll farm yeah, where it comes. Yeah, you know, Russia has commissioned all these. I'll tell you. So the name. I don't think Russia is like Sudan or Afghanistan that can't fight the perception battle. No, they, no, they can. They can. Course, yeah. The point is, you have to have some material. Of course, there's going to be a perception battle. There is enough material out there for Russia to lose the perception battle, like the videos of the traffic jams in Georgia. You know, those can't be made up. There are videos of that. They're like high definition quality of bloody cars and cars parked, people running, guys being interviewed saying that we just want to get out of Russia right now. No, but that's that's what I'm saying. So you can use that selectively also. Like mm. if you have like say ten thousand people fleeing, in in context, if three hundred thousand people are mobilizing, that's nothing. but you can use mm. that to build a narrative and stuff and all that uh meanwhile markets have been tumbling worldwide um the s&p 500 is down more than 20% from its record and asia indexes have fallen by at least 3% in seoul tokyo and hong kong yeah and every business podcast you listen to is 
not giving you good news and this what's her name trust Liz, Liz Trust Liz Trust uh, and her finance minister is just being trashed and did you see that interview with her uh, i don't know who's done it i'll just the link will be in the show notes oh man he like the he just, radio on the radio uh, yeah yeah correct yeah. the i mean he's like roasted her man anyway poor thing she's really walked into a she's com- anything but a poor thing com- no but what imagine <laughs> what a shit soup walking into what boris johnson has left for you matlab kuch it's like you know what bush left for obama and in fact there was a very good stand up comic i think this joke was done by steven colbert or or um, who used to do the daily show that time what's his name the guy who was the main daily show uh, john stewart john stewart john stewart uh, he had said that uh, yeah and bush does what every white man does just uh, leave all his mess for a black man to clean up except obama made it like a <laughs> yeah. lot lot worse <laughs> so yeah last headline is that russia's foreign ministry on thursday said ruptures to the nord stream pipelines that caused gas leaks near Denmark and Sweden have occurred in territory that is fully under the control of US intelligence agencies right and you said the polish uh, former foreign minister and now the member of the european parliament he like publicly thanked the us for doing that right so well that's um, it for the headlines now the two or three things i want to discuss which we had actually deferred for when all of us will be here i will come to but before that i want to remind everybody Uh, that the media rumble physical event is at the India Habitat Center in Delhi, Lothia State, Lutyens, it's Lutyens, Delhi, on the 14th and 15th of October. That is Friday and Saturday. Please do come. You will meet, interact with journalists from across the country. You can watch panels. Uh, we'll also be there. And on online, it is on from the 6th to the 8th of October. We'll have some online sessions of some guests who won't be able to come from overseas, but most of them will be here. And also, we have. Birubala and Birbal dolls. So I don't know why someone suggested that we should be part of our NL store. They are, so if you want to buy them, you can. But what I would really recommend is the Kashmiri ka kahani, the complete story, which has been uh, edited, uh, the extended version by Meharaj and Amar Bari, Tomaral Naksal Bari. A new print, a better print. So you can go and uh, check it out and buy it on NL store. The link is below. One of our subscribers in the Mumbai meet was really praising your forward in the Kashmir ki kahani, and said Thank it you. was as lovely to read as the comic. <laughs> right now, uh, this is what I want to discuss, which I had put off for a week, and we will come to the Congress election after that, and Manisha can give us a little background on that. You know, there was a Hindi uh, Divas last week, a week before last when we recorded Hafta last time. Well, yeah, fourteenth September, right? Fourteenth September, Anand Hindi Divas. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, friction with you know uh, in Karnataka the Congress opposition said oh it's imposition but because you know Bombay cannot lose his uh, you know Karnataka vote base he said yes yes it will not be at the cost of Canada Tamil Nadu of course they said that you know you cannot force this uh, Shah said Hindi must be promoted there were all the other discussions that were happening on many channels so now I've been thinking about this. uh so i just wanted to you know ask the panel and i'll start off with you know manisha and then we can go on to the our two virtual guests and anand two basic questions what is the merit of having hindi as a you know to push it like is there any tangible thing or is it just ideological kyunki hum ad gaye we are going to keep arguing about that which is also a lot of political issues are that because we took that position we will take it whether or not it there is any benefit of that 
to uh, i mean other than the cost and benefit analysis uh, historically hasn't this been attempted many times and it hasn't worked and b why is there such a uh, um hostile kind of opposition from the south to this maybe jashri can shed some light Jai on Shri that jashri can talk about that i guess so yeah. first uh, i have a rant so uh, why don't we begin with the rant okay let's begin with the rant let, let the dissenter take but, the but first but i just want to say no, that no, no. that when <laughs> like, that the oldest language still in use in the world is tamil and correct me if i'm wrong because i have tried to check this online i have read uh, i mean there is one it is not a very authoritative essay that when was sanskrit like you know people of course you're not talking about sanskrit but you know this the languages thing uh, at least i was made to believe by whatever i consumed sanskrit was never a language used for ordinary communication it was a language of the elite the elite uh which society actually conversed in sanskrit although there is uh, an essay which i've i've read that there it is still in use somewhere but there was there was this one area where sanskrit was the mode of communication uh but that aside when the the original myth is that when shiva you know played his damru from one side sanskrit came out on the other side tamil came out what about the rest of the world's languages they are derivatives of <laughs> they, 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 they are derivatives of no, sanskrit no there was no damru for that they, they were not damru there has no space for this one <laughs> those were just gurgling sounds made by indigestion which people started using as languages <laughs> tamil and sanskrit are the real thing i mean before i talk about hindi you were talking about sanskrit and just today in the paper i was reading what nirmala sitaraman said where she moaned that when she was growing up learning sanskrit was not encouraged at all in tamil nadu and how she really struggled to study it as a student and finally she was forced to find a private tutor so she could learn sanskrit and i mean completely nonsense considering i have lived my entire education in tamil nadu i unfortunately studied sanskrit for at least 15 years i mean not through no choice of my own but i had to in school so that was a very annoying thing but yes so about this entire push for hindi i mean i don't think this is a question of linguistic identity i think this is not linguistic this is political uh the enforcement and push for hindi to be the spoken language is hindi imperialism it is a supremacist move to sort of establish the primacy of delhi it is of no benefit to anyone when english is for all practical purposes a useful link language this is exactly what another i also said what decades ago where he said why do tamils have to study english for communication with the world and hindi for communication with india he said this is like saying do we need a big door for the big dog and a small door for the small dog why can't the small dog use the big door as well so the idea is not that there is a resistance to hindi as a language the idea is that there is resistance to make hindi the mode of communication in certain ways for example jipma in pondicherry which is one of the major hospitals there has just brought in um a circular i think a couple of months ago where they said hindi must be used as far as possible for all entries and registers and records and who is this serving because the people that you employ by and large would not speak or understand hindi but you are forcing them to try and communicate in this language that does not come naturally and i do also think that there is if you are forcing people to learn hindi in order to communicate what you are doing you are this is a formula for a two tier hierarchy because perennially non native learners will be second class to native learners and this is just how it works and i mean yeah tamina there is an entire history of demonstrations that from what from the 1930s by the justice party and 1937 i think this was against rajaji's congress government which i mean correct me if i'm wrong i think they wanted to make hindi compulsory in state government schools 
T.T. Krishmachari in the 1940s made this really important speech where he said, it is up to my friends in Uttar Pradesh to whether they want a whole India or they want a Hindi India. And this is the choice. And as to why it faces so much resistance in the South, because even the BJP in Tamar Nadu does not support Hindi imposition. It is because I think Hindi speakers do not understand just how little Hindi, non-Hindi speakers understand. Like, I know, like, even in the news laundry office, for example, I know everyone knows I don't speak Hindi, but there is an assumption that I must at least understand a bit, but I don't. Like, I literally can't speak Hindi. I don't understand a word. And not because I'm so resistant to trying to learn a new language. Is this not a language that I know? I think it sort of goes against a deep fundamental assumption that all people can, in some way, understand. And and not just... Sorry. And not just Tamil Nadu, what you said that even the BJP doesn't support it there, like even how the Karnataka CM had to kind of do a little bit of backpedaling. So yeah, because he can't also because yes, language is a very important part of identity and you cannot distinguish that from what the BJP in Delhi would like you to do with Hindi as a language, like it doesn't work. And then, yeah, of course, in Tamil Nadu, we've had riots uh, in the 60s where it adopted the I think the DMK had adopted the two language formula of Tamil English, but it never prevented those who want to learn Hindi from doing so. The Hindi Prachar Sabha in Chennai is very active. It works very hard. It has a lot of programs. So it is not that the idea of Hindi to be learned is eliminated. It is just that it cannot be made a fundamental language of communication. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, this is my rant. Also, I should point out that there are ways around linguistic barriers you know like the one of the major private hospitals in Chennai for the longest time was the, was an Apollo an Apollo hospitals and surrounding Apollo hospitals all the name boards and sign boards of pharmacies and lodges and small hotels and restaurants are in Bengali because we have thousands and thousands of people coming every year from Bengal from Bangladesh so the sign boards are in Bengali because this is how things can organically sort of adapt. In Orcha, the yeah. signboards are in Korean because Orcha has so yeah. much of Korean. I mean, it's it's so, bizarre. Like, Orcha had Korean food before Delhi and Bombay had Korean food. Even in Lajpatnagar now, you have lots of like this Persian signboards for Afghani population. Mm. Lots of restaurants and everything. They don't even have any yeah. English there. So, I mean, just to wrap up, I mean, you said what is the practical, what practically, what will learning Hindi do for us? For me, I see it as being very little. I mean, it's great for people to learn languages. I am not against that at all. I do think it's good to communicate to people in their native tongues, but practical purposes, there's nothing. Yeah, there's no advantage. Right. Anand, what is your view? Do you see any actual benefit or is it too much energy going into something that shouldn't be central to any conversation or even politics? See, I don't think it is a a very central project of any political party. It is one of the parallel things which will keep on going and uh, uh, the political imagination of certain kind of imposition of uh, identity or lingual imperialism is a bit uh, of a stretch because uh, all political parties, and uh, there are only few, uh, even within few, you can say BJP, if they say that they want to advocate the spread of Hindi, they qualify it with a lot of uh, uh, writers, like other languages should also grow, and we are not imposing it, but this and that. And uh, the constitutional mandate is that it's a uh, one of the official languages, not the national language. And uh, uh, there is also from the initial years after independence, the 
central government departments have been uh, officially mandated to assist the spread of the language. You have public sector uh, banks uh, organizing Hindi pakwaras to assist uh, official work in Hindi, uh, maybe to uh, advance the idea of a link language. That's how uh, the national movement uh, in India uh, also emphasized on developing, say, under the leadership of Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he attended uh, in the Sahitya um, Mahashavas of 1930s and advocated the idea of Hindi being the link language. And that legacy got into the constitution when it was uh, considered as an official language and not a national language. So uh, uh, after uh, independence, there could be some validity to the argument that uh, Hindi became one of the instruments of nation building in a very pluralist country with diverse identities. And uh, there were departments being set and the different uh, people uh, to just advance this. Even Nehru government had departments uh, of uh, Rajbhasa. Uh, so that was uh, the initial idea of developing it as a link language. It's political appropriation and uh, also the fuel for uh, alarmism, the political imagination of it being a tool for uh, cultural uh, imperialism, I think that's a bit of a far-fetched idea. Right. Um, I just want to put also in context, and this question you know, is out there, and Raman sir, uh, Manisha and Mehraj come in on this. Last week, a government official in UP was either suspended or dismissed, I'll just uh, Google it and check, for asking for uh, communication to be in Urdu uh, and uh, it was she was dealt with very harshly on that uh, so it's just when we talk about languages but I think there is a, a huge advantage of having one you know language that the whole country speaks because I think that's it makes a lot of it makes a lot of things easier now whether it's even possible to do so, we should, you know, get something else to tie us all together. Like in America, everyone from East Coast to West Coast, you know, South to North will speak one language. Same for Britain. There are parts of countries in Europe where there are certain parts that speak Germany, like in Austria, for example, <coughs> or even Germany itself, or even France. Not everybody speaks, but a huge chunk does. It's big enough for everybody to know it. There's an obvious advantage to that. And that is why India kind of lose out on that. What can be the substitute for that in India? Because like it is the, Anand said, there needs something to like tie us all together. What could that be? So I can, think, I, can I jump in now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was saying that for me, there's a very easy answer to that question when you're in a country with so many languages and it's that diverse. I mean, I'm. it's unfortunate given like our colonial baggage and our past and all that imperialism that we've suffered, but that language is English. It is not Another no. Indian language, it is English. I completely disagree with that, Jayashree. Yeah. In your own circles, like in, if you look at your own city, how many people are fluent English speakers like you? I don't think English can ever be a link language. No, but more more than Hindi. 
ंग्वेजिंग the problem if you just look at socially or in you know just discourse between people the problem that this you know the south probably has is that it comes with a lot of arrogance this assumption that oh you don't speak hindi don't you speak two words three words don't you understand this have you not been taught so i think that kind of an assumption that everyone must speak hindi across india which the north indians sometimes come with is a bit irritating and it it can put you off a language or it can put you off this idea that i must speak hindi to communicate so that arrogance i completely agree and this is a simple thing yeah if you go to any state even if you don't know the language you learn a few keywords to communicate just to sort of you know create some sort of a working relationship with people even if you can't speak the entire language but i do think that hindi is the link language in india i do think that if i am traveling whether i've never really traveled so much in tamil nadu but even in kerala or goa or west bengal where the first language is not hindi uh this is still a language that could be understood in villages compared to english i cannot go to a small village in west bengal start chatting in english and expect people to understand people will understand tooti puti hindi i'll understand their bengali thoda bahut and this interesting thing that you bring on urdu in in fact it's pretty interesting to note that especially in uh I can say this about West Bengal and Goa also, and whatever little we've done. Uh, the if you enter, if you speak to a Muslim majority population, even in West Bengal, where in interior villages they don't understand uh, Hindi at all, Muslims do understand Hindi because they learn Urdu. So often it would be very easy for us to go into a village where you speak into a Muslim family because they'd be able to speak in Hindi, reply in Hindi. versus the hindus who will maybe probably understand hindi but reply in bengali just uh, to that point the uh, it happened in uttar pradesh uh, government suspended joint director of health dr tabassum khan hmm. who had issued an order directing all chief medical officers to ensure sign boards and name plates of health facilities in state were written in urdu as well hmm. so she was dismissed Uh, sorry um, uh, suspended suspended yeah. but isn't yeah, that the second... law that it has to be even in delhi like one of the languages has to be urdu yeah i Which, yeah weird. i think it is and but, um, um, so that's there uh, and even in say uh, goa you'd often if you meet muslims they'll be able to communicate back in hindi with you because they're learning urdu also the second uh, point that i want to say that hindi has also become a link language because it's not just a political thing but you, we're also traveling a lot within the country right like somebody living in chennai will want to come to delhi and work or somebody living in delhi would want to go to mumbai and work so then and none of those languages that they speak have to be hindi you know you don't i don't come to, to delhi, delhi they'll so you, you know they the language no? or even you look at say um, you have aren't a lot you, of assamese labor going to kerala to but work but aren't you doing exactly they want to speak in assamese but or aren't you you're doing not, exactly but sorry you're doing, sorry but you're aren't you doing exactly what you accuse many people of the arrogance of hindi that Why should that yes. Tamilian come to Delhi and learn Hindi? Why can't the Delhiite learn English? Because the no, but also you're saying uh, the Delhiite will come to Tamil Nadu and hope to speak in Hindi to Tamil populations who are living outside metropolitan cities. Yeah, that actually that that is a I bit mean, of a myth, which kind reverse, of was busted for me when I was shooting my travel shows. Honestly, I you know shot extensively in places other than Tiruvannathapuram or Chennai mm-hmm. or Mysore. You forget even within the cities, you go five miles out of the city. the guy doesn't understand a word of hindi and i mean a word 
and that's not just true for south that's true for the uh, northeast in the northeast when we went to arunachal we went to uh, nagaland etc uh, they are more comfortable communicating in tooty pooty english than hindi i mean the North only East, place yes, with, levels, which is, uh, you know just punjab haryana up bihar is where you know tooty pooty hindi works northeast it doesn't south outside the metros they will not speak a word of hindi it used to be a nightmare just asking for directions my experience has been different i have never been able to communicate in english in any village in india Uh, maybe you like that you've not traveled extensively in in like, in tamil, tamil nadu no right? but say so, for example in kerala i have which is again it's pretty but see look i'm also traveling as a tourist so i don't know maybe people you know in those tourism areas people make an effort to understand learn a little bit of hindi because a lot of north indian tourists are coming but also i don't yeah. go with the assumption that agar nahi aati to fir phas jao you know i'll then try yeah. and figure out uh, other ways Come but you say i no no one uh, one thing this arunachal pradesh we have just done a story about 16 of them arunachal guys they had traveled they walked 2000 km to delhi just to highlight the cases of corruption so those people they prefer to speak in hindi so we made a hindi video yeah that's what uh, i'm saying they're uh, speaking english and now they 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 we, made, we because they wanted to speak in hindi and uh, very i mean thoda tota photo but nice hindi that this book is is a good video which we released yesterday so uh, but i think that uh, having one language is the idea to promote one nation mm. okay that's the narrative these days okay so when when we when the hindi divas comes or whatever comes and uh, and most also uh, predominantly we have the politi- politicians in power from the northern india very few from the southern india who are in the position of power there are politicians of course so uh, and and uh, we also had a uh, we had chidambaram we had we had narsimha rao uh, pv narsimha rao hg devagoda ha so so but all of them uh, i think maybe they uh, they become more of a north <laughs> kind of uh, well, politicians uh, no i think uh, when when they stay in delhi Uh, PV Narasimha was a scholar I mean I think he knew some six or eight languages eight fluently language. I think Devagoda was sleeping most of the time so that is a universal language so no <laughs> so far as uh, you use languages as a link it is fine yeah. but if the moment you politicize it the moment you start imposing them because i have seen even in tamil nadu i've but been to tamil nadu no no i've been to tamil nadu okay when it comes to business uh, when when they want to sell something to me they do speak uh, you know few hindi words so they pick up on their own so let this happen these things happen naturally but the moment you start imposing and uh, i mean hindi is one of the i mean eight nine languages in schedule eight i think of the constitution or in some schedule i i i there are 22 languages 22 22 correct so so it is one of the 22 languages and uh, but but now when the one nation theory the not the theory i mean they we want to be known as one nation so we are uh, you know trying to uh, promote hindi as one language that is i think not possible think it goes against the it yeah. goes against the spirit of the country you know india it does what is schools schools i think it should be an option it should not ah. be compulsory you learn hindi it should be an option for people if they want to learn it they can yeah but but i just that think that the, the, but, but i just think language. that the whole uh, you know the, the 
it's there's a context to it the whole uh, you know like for example the pushback that you get from the, country, uh, the states in the south uh, it is it is if it was that benign the whole push off it mr shah would not be making speeches traveling and making it a big deal like you see it's it's like assuming these guys are babes in the woods they are polit- politicians and they are politicians far more thinking far ahead than you and me at least one hopes so so a i don't agree with anand saying that it is alarmism i think when mr shah takes something as an issue and makes several speeches on it and dedicates a certain amount of resources from the government on something it is political it is so on that uh, you know that the regionalism is is alarmist is uh, i i think that is the same thing like the that the hindutva thing is alarmist it's not it's it's clear that you know right, right from teachers being suspended to guys being beaten up for entering garbas but i just think that uh, there there has to be a political advantage which i don't see i just think was zid hai na ki karna hai hame no there is a bit of a political advantage so the idea of this national language it's like closely tied to the idea of the nation state that's actually how it came about chomsky has done a lot of work on this and other linguistics so chomsky for example says if you went to say france even like 100 years ago you went to two villages 5 miles apart they both spoke french but they didn't understand each other same was the case in italy and other places irish different dialects yeah and the thing was but then if you are building a nation state like you have a flag you have an administrative machinery you need that national language because otherwise it will become very difficult to create that one create that national identity and two in the more practical terms to run that administrative machinery so what you do is you create this national language sort of a thing and how you do that that is like you have official documents you have like teach kids in school and all that and that's a very artificial language because if i have to learn it in school that means it's not natural to me not your right? mother yeah so, and how do, which now the point is which language do you choose to be the natural language sometimes it happens organically like the one dialect or one language has more speakers others take it in other places it's because it's the language of the elite like for example the italian that's the national italian that was the language of the northern elite who had more power who had like wealth and stuff so that kind of percolated down everywhere and then it became in the schools and everything same with french but that it's sort of easier to do there because the language is kind of similar you don't have like completely script hi alag hai yeah yahan pe to like you have indo european languages you have dravidian languages which are like completely hmm. different so in a country like this which language do you choose as your if hmm. not the national language but a link language hmm. so this idea that hindi was promoted or chosen only because more speak there were more speakers of hindi i mean that's partly true but the more i think more important aspect which gets ignored is if you go before the partition of india like towards the end of the 19th century or 18th century there was this kind of split there was no hindi and urdu to begin with so it was like this one hindustani language mm. and there was this split between urdu becoming a more muslim language and hindi becoming a more hindu mm. language more sanskritized and urdu became more persianized and from that moment on it has been kind of part of this whole hindu hindu project this hindu identity especially in the north india like manisha was saying in bengal for example people still speak and understand hindi because they know urdu muslims especially why because bengal was a, a center of political and cultural power right and the language of Nawab's that yeah and the language of that power was 
Urdu hmm. in that time. So that has still stayed in no- much of the North India where all this political thing was happening. The language of the Hindu majority was Hindi, so it became tied to that Hind- Hindu project, and then the but Hindu project. But Central UP also speaks. Uh, you'll find both Hindu. Yeah, because Muslim. it's a similar and thing. Punjab, but, of course. But, but what happened is now, if you're saying a person from, say, northeast, he tries to speak Hindi or uh, you. This thing, but but that has happened after seventy seventy five years yeah, long of that time. being pushed. So they don't have a choice right now. Yeah. And this idea that you can use a language like what's the harm in say for example a Tamil person being told to speak Hindi? Hmm. It's not just a neutral language. Hindi comes with its own cultural baggage. It comes with its own social baggage. True of every other language. Yeah, so you aren't just pushing that language. Not, yeah, You're pushing not, a certain. Political and cultural and social idea also. Uh, no, I completely agree. Although what you said about the French language, you know, from one village, that's even true in Tamil. Like my mother tells me that you know, like she can't understand the Tamil of uh, a help, who's yeah. also a Tamilian. Yeah. Although both are from Tamil Nadu, because it comes from the social context. You know, that yeah. Tamil is very different from my mother's Tamil. Uh, it's true for English. I was listening to a podcast about when the Irish, when the Britain took over Ireland. Uh, you know, there was a lot of English there, but. I tried to watch the documentary on Sir Alex Ferguson. I couldn't understand it. It's in English because Alex Ferguson, what he says, I couldn't understand what he's saying. Yes, Scottish. So you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, just I want to come to uh, Anand uh, on this. The division of Urdu and Hindi uh, was not just a Hindu thing. I mean, what I've read about it, and I, I became a huge fan of uh, Harivansh Rai Bachchan about when my late twenties, early thirties, and uh, then when I read about him, that you know. Th- when he blasted onto the scene, he blasted onto the scene because he was a poet who used only Hindi. He did not use Urdu words. But it was not a political thing. I don't know whether it was the same was true for Dinkar. Uh, Ramdhari Singh Dinkar, right? That's, mm. that's his, uh, but there, were a, there was this whole movement of poets from a time when Urdu or Hindustani was dominating poetry. They only went with Hindi and, you know, Jo Beet Gai, So Baat Gai, or, you know... Um, his Madhushala, it's just, there's just no Urdu and yet it's so beautiful. I have not read that it was a political movement in any sense. So, uh, yeah, uh, Anand, uh, you have anything more to add based on all that you've heard right now? And on, on this whole uh, the Hindi poetry movement. Uh, and of course, I think the only thing is that the snobbery of the Bachchans and all these that we will not write for popular culture, we will not write for, you know, Bollywood etc. is today they are blaming Urdu is full of Bollywood. I mean, you thought you were too cool for school. So, the rest of them have No, but that came, what you're talking about, that came much later. Yeah, That's course, when that the distinction had happened and then it's like, you were comfortable in, like, for example, around the time of Ghalib, the state language, the language of the monarchy was Persian. It right. was not Urdu. That was the language of the masses. Mm. He wrote in both and he prided himself more on his, like, Persian, Persian work. Mm. But that wasn't because... I mean, he chose to do that. It was a political project. That, that happened. The distinction literary. happened like Game. gradually over time. Sure. And then the poets who came after Ghalib, most of them just wrote in Urdu. Right. Anand? No, I uh, see. First, um, uh, uh, a statement uh, of yours is problematic that it, there are no Urdu words in it and it is still uh, beautiful. So, uh, with Sanskritized tatsam tadva words, uh, Hindi poetry can still be very, very beautiful. And uh, I have only half learned, I did a lot of hard work in learning Sanskrit on my own, self-taught one. And uh, the Sanskrit poetry is one of the most beautiful works in literature written, and they're quite 
higher on aesthetics if one really uh, works hard on learning it. And uh, it's not the Bollywood version where a, a Sanskritized sentence is almost seen as a substitute for buffoonery or made fun of. So and that is not the right way to see that it's beautiful and still it has no Urdu words. So second is that uh, uh, Hindi, uh, like Urdu, both are modern languages. They're not ancient languages. They are not even medieval languages. Their, their history does not go more than two centuries back. And uh, Mm, the division as Hindu and Muslim uh, uh, between Hindi and Urdu was uh, a bit contrived. And though there in 19, 19th century, we see movements, like in 1872, there was a movement in Bihar for adoption of Hindi as the court language and, and of doing away with uh, uh, the Farsi as the court language. And even and the first Hindi newspaper in Bihar was established for advocating the same. So uh, it gathered steam in the late 19th century. And uh, we see its repercussions in uh, the literary world also from the way the age to Jashankar Prashad and uh, a lot of more towering figures in Hindi literature, as well as the governmental line when uh, India adopted uh, Hindi written in Devanagari as a state language, not national language, not to be confused with that. Uh, but uh, I would not bore with more details. Uh, um, just I want to give one factual bit. Uh, yes, uh, yes, she was correct. The Hindi Divas is on 14th, 14th century. Mm. Yes. I think Jayashree was trying to say something. One thing I just want to add hmm. on Jayashree's uh, thing on English becoming the link language. Actually, to think of it, it could be actually quite wonderful. Because then not only can we communicate with each other, we can communicate the world also. That's what the Delhi state <laughs> government was doing. No? That they wanted all the kids to learn English. So it's that a they great can thing to learn even if you're looking at globalizing basically. Then there can be that question, why do you have to learn English? The globe has so many languages, blah, blah, blah. But uh, there is this study that says that language... Learning outcomes aren't good when you aren't learning in your mother tongue. So, which is one of the reasons why we changed the policy and said that don't teach in English, teach in the mother tongue because kids tend to grasp concepts better when they learn it in their mother tongue. Hmm. Uh, between 1998 to 2000, maybe before 1998, I think, I was with the Express and I had done one story. I mean, this uh, party has an obsession with Hindi because I did, a, I broke a story and... Uh, that uh, they immediately had to take that decision back. Sahib Singh Verma was the uh, education minister and uh, they wanted to make Hindi compulsory in all the schools, including the private schools. I mean, in the first, till the first, uh, first to fifth, you had to, uh, all the subjects were to be taught in Hindi. Mm. So, so they were making it compulsory. They had come up with this proposal and uh, yeah, it was uh, underway. And uh, when I broke the story, so uh, after that, uh, everybody lapped it up and there were uh, editorials and criticizing it. So they had to take it back. Right. Uh, although I just want to say I learned Sanskrit in school because it was the most opted for third language right from class five to class 10. So I did uh, learn Sanskrit. Uh, but I have yet to come across some very beautiful Sanskrit poetry like Anand said. So please forward some to me. No, there and is I have, of course beautiful I'm sure it exists. I have, there may, be, there may be beautiful literature, 
and but poetry. I have not yet. I have heard lots of poetry quoted or couplets quoted uh, in Hindustani, in Hindi, in Urdu. I have never had one quoted to me. We we learnt the Sanskrit what was in our syllabus. You know that you had to learn those shlokas or dohas and translate them. And, but those. But what I'm saying is that I, yeah, I just think that every language has. I mean, you can't say oh. These like that is very shitty language. Of course, every language has beauty. I mean, you ask. I don't know anything about Polish, but I'm sure Polish. We have the most beautiful uh, poetry. I don't know Russian, but I'm sure Russian is very beautiful poetry. So, I I think it's a it's a given that every language has something beautiful in it. But in India, since Sanskrit is born in India, I'm assuming. Uh, all I, I think if we if we acknowledge the wisdom of the crowds when it comes to political ideological movements uh, or anything like you know there must be something great about modi that's why so many people like him and you got to acknowledge that you know if there was something that fantastic about sanskrit poetry i'm sure it would be a little more popular than it is now i'm just saying that no. it was always an elite language so it would so, never but, be so popular what, so all i'm saying is that the, even if it was an elite language that it's just like so is so is persian But nami danam chinamzin bud shab jai ke man budam. That kavali is such an amazing kavali that, like me, lots of people have gone and looked up what it means. Or you know, there is a. I now I don't know whether you know the pandit class controlled it that no one will learn Sanskrit because you know one of the things that we've heard and that is established by stories like Mahabharat. It was oral tradition, and I only teach you if you're my caste. If Karan is not. Bloody Akshatri! How dare he learn from me? Mm. How dare X Y Z learn from? So maybe that's the reason, and then you know only. All I'm saying is that it's a bit of a you know there is no conspiracy to suppress Sanskrit. I'm saying it's a, that fantastic language. We would have known, but, but we don't. But the thing with languages is it they flourish when they are like used. People speak them yeah. when they remain limited to the very particular set of people. It, they get kind of like stifled in that sense. So I mean, I don't know Sanskrit at all, but the shlokas, like for example, when I hear, they sound very beautiful. But when it uh, doesn't get worked on and on and on, like for example, the Urdu that Walid Dakini, for example, spoke, and the Urdu Galib spoke, and the poetry that's now, and there's a huge difference, and that development has kind of given it that beauty, that grace. It wouldn't have happened if it had stopped at Galib, for example. Hmm. So that's important. In fact, there's a very funny loose talk episode, which is a fantastic satire show in Pakistan, where the host asks this Indian poet, basically that done this guy who's a character between Javed Akhtar and Gulzar. They've kind of mixed up the two, and he's being uh, interviewed. Um, and the host asks him, "Ki, so Urdu ka kya hal hai Hindustan mein?" He says, "Bhai, jo Angrezi ka hal Pakistan mein, kisi ko aati nahi, lekin sab bolte." <laughs> But your point is pretty important, and also it depends on the kind of effort uh, is being made also to make it understood. To have learning schools, for example, this DD news in Sanskrit, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Who's understanding it? Rather spend that to actually have a good school, really look at like poetry translations, you know, put more life into it by getting more people into it. For which you need good teachers. Firstly, yeah, you really need good teachers who can engage you in a language. Especially language needs that, but you don't have that. I'm guessing. Because it's not lucrative. If you, yeah. in fact, one guy really funnily said that if you do your Sanskrit PhD and all, the best thing is to become a pundit because that's the place where you'll make money because you can do the shlokas, you can do the whatever. But academically, there's very little that someone can achieve out of it. So it's a problem of policy also. Promote all the languages, but don't impose them. 
And yeah. don't don't run down other languages. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And let the mixing happen on its own. Like let people figure out what's most convenient to communicate. Huh. But then and we're being it. too idealist. I that's mean, it. this that has happens. to be a political project yeah. also. But again, the the obvious benefit has not emerged. The political benefit. I'm just trying to wonder what that is. Go ahead, Anand. No, uh, just uh, I think uh, to say that uh, if something was beautiful, it should have been popular or known to people. I don't buy that argument because uh, that is not true for any language and literature, and uh, even the classical languages of the West um, can, has a lot of beautiful literature in lang in. A form that is not accessible to a lot of people, and just just one very popular figure from Sanskrit poetry, say Kalidas. If you read Meghdoot, Abhijan Shakuntalam, it is the seer poetry of it. And uh, uh, the problem is that many of uh, the Sanskrit, uh, the corpus of Sanskrit literature, is associated with scriptures, religious text, and. Uh, religious commentary also even that has uh, uh, besides the ideas which may some may agree or not has very high quality of writing and so the sentence construction to to imagine that the sentence construction could be of that quality then is itself uh, a, a sight to behold so popularity is gained by a lot of factors but uh, that cannot be the sole measure of gazing whether something is beautiful something is of uh, high quality or not i suppose just i have one last thing to say about this um like rage of the so called south i think also because <laughs> anecdotally the problem is for example a hindi speaker might say that i mean as you guys said in bengal and arunachal pradesh and so many other states that are technically not hindi speaking states there is mm -hmm. a possibility of getting by with hindi and so the sort of insinuation is that yet you can't get by in south states and the reason being the adamance of the south when actually it is just that hindi is not a natural language in most pockets of these states i mean there's nothing easier about speaking hindi than about speaking english and i feel for, i do think this is something that hindi speakers don't quite understand I think it's also why people constantly talk to me in Hindi, even though I've said like a thousand times I don't speak the language. It's just this assumption that you should try and then you can. So I think the idea of a link language I really don't think would work in India. I mean, I I see why it would be a great thing, but as far as it goes, I don't see it happening. Also, I'm very tired of India constantly boasting about things like, oh, we have nineteen thousand five hundred dialects, you know, spoken across the country. We're so proud. We're so diverse. But then, when it comes down to it, no one is actually celebrating this diversity. You want to like, sort of homogenize everyone in the way they speak and talk or communicate, and you can't do that. But so. Jashri, I mean, uh, keep the politics of the language aside. But there should not be any opposition to learn a language. I mean, but there is no opposition. That if someone is speaking, the, yeah, but like I think, but she she kind of qualified. That's exactly that. what I. She started off exactly by saying that people should learn as many languages as possible. Many languages. And yes, and I, and I did say them? that the Hindi Prachar Sabha, for example, does extremely well here. It has a lot of programs. People learn Hindi in schools. It is not. There is no active suppression of the learning of the language. There is just do not force it to become a mode of communication. 
But so then again, you can't keep politics out of entire out of it entirely because these decisions aren't value neutral, right? These are political decisions. If you are saying the language of the courts has to be this, it has to be written in this script. Those are political decisions. So that's political and that trickles down. Choice of learning language is should not yeah, be yeah, political. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, but right but now, the, that is there, na? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there is. You're not arguing, you know, cases in Tamil Nadu or Kerala High Court in yeah, Hindi. Yeah, yeah. That is in English only, or there. So that, I mean, that, I mean, that I think is. No one has gone that far so far. I don't know. Let's I see. I was happy uh, to see that in uh, High Court, Uttar Ut- uh, Uttar Pradesh, it's English only. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I just sorry. What I find more interesting about these debates and everything about language, particularly, is how languages can evolve and change and at such a rapid pace. So, for example, in my my Kashmiri language, the language that my grandfather's grandparents spoke and the language my generation speaks. it's so different because there are so many urdu words and so many hindi words and so many english words that have come in i don't particularly like that because i'm a purist in that sense but i'm saying it has changed so much and the f- f- like the fascinating part is it's not even taught because most kashmiris don't learn the language in school it's not written most people won't know how to read or write it right but it's still changed and the more fascinating part is what are the reasons it changes one obviously is because people have started going to school they're more like aware of english and urdu and everything that comes in but another like very kind of spur one spark was you had to learn some urdu and hindi words because if you didn't you'll get beaten up if you if an army guy came and like you have to, to know that you. those you are your safe safe yeah. words right and one last i'll uh, this is a bit of a tidbit mm. because we were talking about sanskrit one of the i think one of the languages that's closest one of the living languages that's closest to classical sanskrit right now is kashmiri yeah oh really yeah जस्टिस They you need to understand what's happening, what's happening in the court, are, no? Yeah, so many times happening. I go to a court and I say this is completely English. How does a person even understand what's being what's spoken happening? about yeah, them? I so, yeah, but that, that I suppose I mean be. Hindi and English both, uh, you know. That depends uh, on where you are. are. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it, no, it, but it doesn't that create a problem? Say, for example, if you are yeah, in say yeah. Tamil Nadu and your justice is like from UP hmm. and you are trying to argue in Tamil. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that it's a complicated problem which will have a complicated. Yeah, I think that there are certain problems that don't have easy solutions. Now you know one of the things that we, we live in such politically correct times that no one wants to commit prefer that one is better than the other. Everyone is the same, and the fact is everyone is not the same. Everything is not the same. Certain cliches, certain um, uh, you know tropes or certain generalizations are there because they are based on some sort of fact. For example, like uh, you know uh, when when say that. the whole and, and some of them become racist so they become problematic but otherwise i see so many jokes you want to speak punjabi just put a behna ma ki gali between everyone and you've spoken punjabi it's funny it's kind of true also now a lot of people say like i i've got i've got hooked on to this one song you know which is che sajje khabbe che hunde dabb naal ni kul bar bande hunde tere jatt naal ni so all these punjabi songs full of Machismo, like so. I I love Amrita, and I've made that point here. Amrita Pritham has written some fantastic uh, Punjabi poetry. But 
if you go to a random person dude punjabi is the most romantic language they'll say just fuck off yeah okay <laughs> and 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 it's true it's and with good reason you know if someone says you know you want to propose to your girlfriend propose in korean i'd say fuck off i'll only bloody order kimchi in korean you know what it now sounds racist but there is certain generalizations are based on accurate cliches and i think in the world of thomas political oh we don't know offend so and so we don't know offend so and so which is that whole peterson guy was talking about fucking if they get offended they get offended because they you know now i don't know french i know what it sounds like i know what german sounds like so when someone tells me in european you know, french is the is the language of love i will say hi yaar theek hi bol raha hai because i've heard german it doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound like the language That's of love true, i agree with you so that. now some german may say oh we have such lovely love in our lovely language but fucking good but uh, i it doesn't sound like that like, yeah. similarly for other languages so i think there is certain languages that are if i want to pick a fight with someone i'll pick it in punjabi it's just you know it's optimized for that <laughs> so uh, so i just think that this whole thing that oh, all languages are as good as each other and as good for each other everything is is a bit of a let's not piss anyone off and that whole let's not piss anyone off is what has given rise to overwokism like if i if okay so here's a song a lyrics from a gulzar song theek hai wo yaar hai jo khushboo ki tarah ho jiski zubaan urdu ki tarah he is romanticizing that khushboo is like the, the best way to describe someone i love is khushboo you can say wo yaar hai jo not khushboo taste ki tarah chatpata it it doesn't and the second line ho jiski zubaan let's let's just ho jiski zubaan punjabi ki tarah are you feeling love sir i'm not i feel like laughing i say ho jiski zubaan bengali ki tarah i'm again thinking of mamta you see that works for love so you know the, maybe the, in... all languages are lovely all yeah. are, yes they are but let's not go so far in ki bhai let's not piss anyone of certain languages work for certain now the reasons for that may be complicated but that is fact today you were bengali is also very misty no but maybe One there is million, some uh... gulzar's work is urdu and that's his milieu so the lyric works but i don't know of some songs maybe in other languages which compare love to a language and it's but yeah. i was curious to ask jeshi which is like the rough language in the southern languages like say like he was saying punjabi is aggressive is there like a mm. telugu is more rough than no, no. like malayalam we're, or we're all very rough and all very beautiful telugu yeah. i think so many dialects there also na the, the, like There's like no i was like saying there's no like an aggressive um, a, a language that, that has that no no not like a generalized sort of So swearing language or whatever no again like bhojpuri I mean, like, sweet malayalam telugu like... all sound all have vast vocabularies of very bad language that oh, can bo- all sound you know, but telugu by and large is is supposed to sound much sweeter like like bhojpuri so, even when you hear very foul language in bhojpuri it sounds funny it doesn't sound nasty sweet but in, in punjabi it sounds nasty same like in bhojpuri feels like there's so many of these comedians who use really i mean they very they describe the whole uh, anatomy and they are abuses that are really describing anatomy of you and your relatives but it doesn't sound as crass crass as when you do it in punjabi it just doesn't so you know it sounds funnier well, that's the same with urdu even if like you are trying to say an abusive word yeah. it, it doesn't come across like as that no crass an abusive word in it yeah, i think go even ahead, like go and then we'll move on to a congress uh, president you know, what uh, one thing just one thing about uh, um, the problem with taking offense and uh, the whole business of political correctness so as you were uh, talking about peterson i uh, recalled a very hidden line in upmanyu chatterjee's english august so there is a 
an episode in it where an American professor is telling uh, 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 an Indian man that how he sees amazed by something very diverse and so he thinks and there is a line as if as if uh, to be uh, as if uh, you have to be diverse to live so uh, he's critiquing her in a very funny way that as if the diversity is the overriding principle on which my life has to depend maybe my life can uh, also run without diversity without me being uh, tied down with this pressure of appreciating the diverse right so, it's a very funny line uh, and a very underrated line in that novel but uh, somehow i recall this in this years right now uh, we Just will spun a small thing i mean it's kind of ironic that we have spent so much time discussing about language how what should be talked about and this and that and everything and everybody obviously talks about this when that's not even its primary purpose i mean the primary purpose of language is not communication which is what is it then thinking right yeah complex thoughts put together good good point so next but like do you guys dream in your mother tongues i've always wondered this like i can i only dream in english apparently it's a good indication if you dream in your native tongue i dream in both english and hindi i dream in punjabi <laughs> so you can guess i only have violent dreams <laughs> so so my manishal tell us what's happening we have one hour 48 for, sorry 40 minutes in uh, we have a bunch of emails to squeeze in we won't read them all today but quickly i just want to go over what happened in up anisha can you just lay the context for us in uttar pradesh sorry uh, what, what am i saying in well gelot was supposed to be uh, standing for the president elections he suddenly congress midway president. congress president elections he just backtracked there was a coup of mlas in rajasthan who didn't want such an pilot and of course the thinking is that gelot engineered this coup but anyway now he's not going to be uh, contesting the elections he's going to go back to being the cm he apologized he said i'm a long life you know soldier of congress very sorry for this miscommunication meanwhile uh, you've had a few names thrown in uh, there's shashi uh, shashi tharoor is from the g23 camp which is the rebel leaders and the thing is it like one less now since azad left g22 <laughs> oh yeah so but it's not i mean it's it, it sort of rebellion because he went not and met sonia and stuff but yeah, yeah. and they just yeah. that counts as rebellion yeah. but the thinking is that someone from that camp is not going to toe the gandhi line and it, you'll finally have an independent kind of a face hmm. to congress which is not necessarily going to be the family face and then you have digvijay and you have uh, malikarjun yeah, khargey i'm just seeing that digvijay singh has dropped out according to oh, he has? really according to indian express so oh, wow. now as it's 12:51 right now by the time 3 o'clock when nominations close lots will change so who currently no, no, khargey i think officially sorry. has uh, yeah. been yeah. told to file the nominations yeah. because and digvijay, digvijay singh has said that he will back uh, malikarjun khargey Okay, so there's Malik Arjun Kharge and yeah. there's now, one G twenty three. Now I just Shashi had two Thiru. or three quick questions. Um, one is, I mean, it's very welcome this whole let them have a election, etc. And no matter how much we trash the Gandhis, and I have often done it myself, the fact is, if the Gandhis go and campaign against any Congress leader in their constituency, and I'll go as far as to say that even if they campaign against Kamalnath and Chindwada, which he has never lost. there is no chance a congress candidate is winning that constituency so it is going to be a lame duck president, president. that's inevitable but yes let that person take daily charge so you because you have a professional because you can't have someone who hooks off to france or italy or wherever every 3 4 weeks but uh, i i just want to understand that 
today also even after gehlot has apologized etc um they the mlas who were supporting him said we will resign if sachin pilot is an attempt to make him chief minister two questions why is he so unpopular in rajasthan among the mlas and b if he's so unpopular why does he want to be chief minister won't be a little pain in the ass every day he'll they'll be want to i don't understand that insistence does anyone know or speculate on he why he has his own men which are outnumbered by gehlot's men he's by, not by really a lot like... by not by 3 4 no why he still wants to be chief why minister why ambition <laughs> ambition obviously but it's even if he has so much opposition now but once he gets power the way it works in this country is he'll be fine I mean, the best example of that is Modi. When he went to Gujarat, he famously didn't have much of an influence in that sense. He didn't have much of an organization. Look at him now. Yeah. And also, he probably thinks that once he has the Gandhi's blessings, then the MLAs will just fall in line. And they don't like, have a choice. If you are the chief minister, you are practically like a de facto kind of a state dictator. The way it works here. Same with the prime minister, for example. There are very few limitations. But why was he seen smiling outside Tenjantpat yesterday? There was a lot of speculation around it. If you see the it. recent uh, political history of India, uh, there is a lame duck president. Any party you speak of, uh, BJP, the mm. president Rahul is also lame duck. Mm. Okay, so so uh, Modi is the de facto. Right. Okay, even even Amit Shah is uh, much mm. above uh, you know this president. So I think here also, I mean, and uh, Rajasthan is a very good. case study like uh, when 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 uh, the gandhi wanted to assert themselves and make uh, sachin as the and 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 he didn't let so already i mean uh, gelat has been shown his place he has been told and now what is going to be very interested to see i mean once we have this president thingy over which is again the lame duck unless priyanka gandhi had come i mean then that would have been a different uh, you know thing altogether uh, after that what decision uh, you know the gandhis will take about rajasthan leadership that is going to be very interesting because uh, they have been embarrassed hugely you know in public so now are they going to change the uh, leadership are they going to appoint somebody from his camp just replacing gelot and just letting uh, gelot know that he is no longer wanted so and 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 uh, and gelot is very powerful right now because he is the one who had decided on the candidates mm. uh, who contested and they are the ones who had won so so that is why he has the backing he also apparently has a great working relationship with rahul gandhi because he's worked with him in elections before i think in gujarat but the question is also rajasthan they are not going to come back to power it's always bjp congress mm, congress always. so this insistence also in staying on presumably when you're not going to get the next term it's very hard so Which means he really doesn't want the Congress president job. That is clear. But why did he throw no. that in the ring in the first place? Then he must Maybe have been asked to. Must have been asked. Didn't say no. Then just did the sign. Then he he cool. couldn't say. For example, <laughs> if the Gandhis asked him to do it, he can't say I I won't do it, right? And then he engineered this whole coup, and yeah. now you have an excuse not to do it, right? Right. Okay. <clears throat> Anyone else has anything to add to this? I think I would like to see Shashi Tharoor win. Right. Because I just think there's no. that would be bad for Congress, though. I don't know, just someone from the other camp because no, whatever that, he does, at least that doesn't work for the party. I mean, that might be a good thing democratically, but for the party, like practically, that doesn't work. They need somebody who is always kind of subservient to the Gandhis. No, it, because they, if there are two parties, then the party will go to dogs. I mean, right now, yeah. if anybody who is subservient. 
to gandhi because gandhi is so weak you need to yeah, shake it up but yeah, i just think that worse. i mean uh, sorry anand you can come in but i just uh, want to say that i think it's a bad idea shashi thrush for other reasons which is that I don't even see Shashi Tharoor as a full-time politician. Mm. They need a f- I see Shashi Shashi Tharoor as someone who actually has a major liking for the good things in life. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But in you politics in out. India today, you have to have someone who has no other interest, motivation or anything in life other than power and politics. And right now there are just a handful of such politicians in the country right. and they are the only ones who are making a difference. And you cannot have a Tharoor who will want to go for dinners and parties and holidays that even, doesn't work even even a person like digvijay singh for everyone. example given his nature he's a very combustible person in that sense if you have a person like that in the party president's post and then you have gandhi's every single day you will be fire fighting because yeah. he'll say something and now you have to respond in this baggage also yeah, he said so exactly. many things which you need someone who is like okay i'll do uh, follow the orders he has baggage that's worse than that but anyway yeah, go ahead anand i think ashok uh, gelot to tick other boxes also because apart from being considered a loyalist he, he was the um, he was a, an obc face in the hindi heartland also um, a man who was uh, having a considerable voter base in his state and uh, as you said he was a 24 hour politician uh, and with tactical acumen and that could have benefited congress in its uh, organizational positioning uh, he ticked these boxes so he, he was uh, the go to man for the gandhis but uh, i would like uh, since uh, what i am now saying has been said many times uh, and i also had um, had this initial response when i saw these developments but i would just to, to make it more interesting uh, i would like to draw an analogy from natural science and it's an old um, way of putting politics i think the economist has a column by zhot and it derives it from one of its earlier editors walter bazot who used to explain politics in terms of natural science and uh, um, his famous book physics and politics so what is happening in congress is that uh, the uh, party in power and the strong congress was uh, uh, having a central pitel force towards uh, tension but that all moves towards the center now uh, the regional satraps the regional leaders who have considerable voter base have this centrifugal effect that you are moving away from the center and you are paying respect to the congress high command only when they agree to your terms and you are powerful enough in your region to command that negotiation space and you will be respectful to the high command but on your own terms uh and that uh, it is interesting that the, uh, the gandhis didn't anticipate this kind of things it seems they are disconnected from the ground political realities because this, this could have been anticipated that uh, uh, say shrewd politician like gehlot may not uh, agree to a trade off between position and power because a lame duck congress president is has a position but then it has it is presidency of a presidency of a congress which is 
appeal shadow of its past. So the a powerful position of a chief minister would always be more attractive now. Uh, suppose Congress was in power in 1450 states and the Congress president's uh, post would have... Uh, yeah, then it's power. more attractive, right. And, and, that, and that, that is also thing. It's now, uh, uh, there can also be a parallel between what happened in the last days of the decaying Mughal Empire, the regional chieftains uh, paid obeisance to the Mughal Emperor, but only when their terms were met. So, and Congress, they need the Congress presidency lead, uh, and uh, so, sorry, the Congress high command support first, because that family still has the control over the vital resources of the party, which is still, uh, I think, considerable and networking a space considerable, but uh, also because once they um, go away with it, the disintegration of the Congress would be very fast. I'm very interested in what happens to Congress once uh, Sonia Gandhi is no longer on the scene because more than Rahul Gandhi, she is kind of this stabilizing yeah, force. I think he'll hook off and say, Bas, azad panchi, I'm going doing what I wanted and I want to do this anyway. On that note, we're going to wind up Haftar today. We have 17 emails. We cannot read them because we're already one hour, 15 minutes into it. What we will do next week, we'll have a regular Hafta. Again, we will not read emails next week. Do write in your emails. You only read subscribers' mails in the link below. Uh, click on the link and it'll open out the box where you can put in your email. You can also send your email to podcasts at newsline.com, but please keep them under 150 words. What we'll do is the week after next, which is the week of the media rumble, because there'll be a lot happening. We will have that hafta where we'll only do the mails. That means 17 of today, under 10, 12 that come. Uh, if you can hold your mails, it will be great, but otherwise you can send them. Week after next will be a hafta of only emails. We will not discuss any other issue so that we can just cover this up because hafta was initially started for a dialogue with our uh, subscribers, so we cannot abandon that completely. Uh, so no emails today. Okay, let's get the recommendations going. Jayshree? Yeah, so I have... Two recommendations. The first is an interview in News Click that I thought was very interesting. It was an interview with the Mahant of the Vishwanath Temple. And he had some radically views that radically differ from what I thought he would. For example, he said, those who tailor history to suit their political agenda never mention that Akbar built the Vishwanath Temple, only that Aurangzeb destroyed it. On the Gyanbapi petition filed by the Hindu women, he says, in one way or another, most of these women are connected to the RSS and its outfits. Frankly speaking, they are lying. There's a great deal of hypocrisy all around. So I think it's a must-read interview. Um, it's in News Click. My second recommendation in Article 14, um, it's headlined after decades in jail, a 95-year-old terror convict mounts a legal battle to go home to die. It's an extremely upsetting story. He spent um, 26 years in jail. He wants to go home to be buried next to his wife of 70 years. He's moved the Supreme Court asking for permanent parole. And this is, of course, a larger discussion on how there is um, very little empathy for even very old prisoners in our justice system, which is more retributive than reformative. So, yeah, two recommendations. Um, just one recommendation. There is a series of uh, articles that our former Foreign Secretary Vijay Gokhale has been writing for Times of India on China. And uh, since he is one of the few authorities on China in India and has uh, served as an ambassador there and has good command over Mandarin also, 
uh, he has uh, been reflecting on various facets of Chinese society, politics, economy, geopolitics, uh, with or without reference to India. So uh, it's uh, for lay persons not uh, knowing China from its standpoint and from India's standpoint. This, this is a good series. I think he has written four pieces already. He would be writing more. In fact, there is a column, it's called Z Politics, obviously taking from Z Ping. So um, it's in Times of India. It has been appearing, I think, for 90 years. That's only, that's the only Two recommendations. One is a piece in the New York Times. It's called The Forgotten Lessons of the Recovered Mo Memory Moment Movement. It's about in the 80s and 90s, there was this whole uh, kind of a social contagion where these uh, psych psychologists and psychiatrists and all these uh, kind of healers, people went them and they said that w we could bring out your repressed memories from childhood. And if we really look into it, it all would stem from sexual abuse in childhood. And suddenly a lot and lot of people started coming out. A lot of these therapists said, we have found people who had these memories and all their problems in life are basically related to that. People wrote best-selling books and everything, but it ultimately turned out to be like it was more or less just a scam. But the story is about how these social contagion spread because it kind of in incentivizes people to look for things that kind of affirm them in that sense. A very interesting piece. The other one is uh, a very old piece uh, from 1998 and it's in the Nature Journal by Richard Dawkins of all people. And it's about, uh, it's a review of this book called Intellectual Im Impostures. Uh, that's a very clever title. I think they imposters. went imposters. That's the thing. Okay. So I think they wanted to say imposters, but they were trying to be a little more polite. But the book is imposture. Wonderful. So um, the review. I haven't read the book yet. So it's about uh, these post uh, postmodernist thinkers, philosophers, like big names, who basically are saying gibberish, and they're using this like very, I don't know, language which is like unfathomable to say that gibberish. And I'll just read the first para, you'll get an idea what it's about. Suppose you are an intellectual imposter with nothing to say, but with strong ambitions to succeed in academic life. What kind of literary style would you cultivate? And this applies to journalists also, by the way. Not a lucid one, surely, for clarity would expose your lack of content. The chances are that you would produce something like the following. And this is a quotation from, the, from one of the philosophers. We can clearly see that there is no bi-univocal correspondence between linear signifying links or archi writing depending on the author and this multi-referential, multi-dimensional mechanic catalysis, the symmetry of scale, the transversality, the pathic non-discursive character of their expansion. All these dimensions remove us from the logic of the excluded middle and reinforces us in our dismissal of the ontological binarism we criticized previously. Did you get any of that? That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> so, uh, some of our subscribers in the Mumbai meet had said that we should do more on the economy and they want to read more uh, on economics. So, Vivek calls this really long 
extreme long form piece on nirmala sitaraman's question that why is the india inc not investing what are they waiting for hanuman so he's really looked at data he's really unpacked a lot of things it's a very interesting piece and he writes really simply so recommendation uh, that's one of my recommendations the piece in the new york times a sibling disappears and the mystery repeats itself it's about this author who lost her sister to drug overdose and it deals with grief and coming to terms with death which i think is is a very beautifully written piece and i want to read her book too uh, very good uh, documentary uh, in on apple tv uh, on my favorite all time favorite actor sydney uh, poitier mm. uh, uh, is uh, producer is oprah winfrey oh. uh, fantastic when I, mean, i saw it uh, day before and uh, it's beautiful right and uh, it also reflects i mean if you want to understand the us you know during his time when he i think he was born in 1922 and he died this year i think we passed away i'm, I'm not sure who is it poet yeah he, hey, this I, year uh, this year or last year but no, yeah, recently year. ha 22 22 so 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 you just also learn you know about the us during his time Mm. and the racism during his time is very well done i think they had a special uh, this thing on him at the oscars or something because it's slide show sydney poetry huh. so yeah okay so my recommendations are the following one is money life uh, has done a story oracle india paid usd 400000 dollars to railway officials for a contract in 2019 the us scc has come up with this uh, so in case you're wondering what scc is this securities and exchange commission in the us so this has not even made a ripple here that means for all the na khaunga na khane dunga an agency which has certain amount of credibility in the us has accused oracle a us company of paying bribes to some indian people in the ministry but here neither has anyone picked it up whereas if any opposition member tweets something it becomes national news this has not caused a ripple Uh, I I'm not aware of any investigation happening in the railway ministry to see who all were the people there what bribes were allegedly paid to who there are investigations from like back when lalu was in charge yeah but but meanwhile uh, urdu as a language let's ditch the suspension I so I'm wondering if we can do a follow up on this so uh, uh, like what are the bribes if we have to do it from the US let's do it from the US uh, the second recommendation um noisier just dropped the latest uh, podcast series on lenin and i think i have recommended their entire podcast series on dictators earlier but i think this is especially uh, good because i i've said this many times that the biggest ideologues or despots or political giants and i have found this even in in personally when i've interacted with people the motivation is very personal it comes from a personal humiliation it comes from personal even bapu had he not been thrown off the train i don't know if he would have been bapu he may have been barrister gandhi <laughs> you know so um i think it's a really interesting uh, in- interesting podcast it gives you an idea of um, the russia of the time and uh, yeah this man and it, i think it's it's a good listen to understand human nature and human motivations but i think it's a bit of a stretch i mean this is a personal opinion to call lenin a dictator because of the nature of his sure. time and rule and 
Yeah. yeah, he was yeah. a product of his time. Right. No, no, not just that. Also, because he basically ruled when it was all in flux. He didn't actually rule in that sense, like right. Stalin did, for example. Sure. Yeah, was not as organized as later in life. Also, and most of that time he was sick. So, and, and the world at the time was also for certain type. With those recommendations, thank you so much for supporting us for four hundred episodes. I hope you will support us for another four hundred. But the week after next, I hope to see those of you who can make it to Delhi at the Media Rumble. On the 14th and 15th of October, we will be at India Habitat Centre with journalists, investors, policymakers from all over the country, uh, and a few international speakers as well. So do come. You can register at themediarumble.com. You can also click on the link below. It will take you to the Media Rumble website. So I would like to thank all our panelists: Anand, Jayashree, Mehraj, Manisha, Raman sir. Thank you. Our sound recordist thank Anil you. and our wonderful producer Tahreem, and all you wonderful listeners. Thank you for supporting us for 400 episodes of Hafta. Here's to another 400, and in 400 episodes we have never missed a single one, which is why we have the line: "Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna Hafta kabi nahi chhodte." So we leave you with this song, uh, a French which hai, but even though I don't understand French. ए रोमांटिक साउंड करता है यू हैव टू अग्री Ciel d'été confond ses blancs moutons avec des anges si purs la mer bergère d'azur infinie. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.